now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my dad. This is my time. This is my hour. This is my pain. This is my name. This is my power. If it's my rain, then it's my shower. This pole position, I made a lane because they blocked ours. Those boys, block leaders, gold diggers, don't stop either. Motivation is misguided. If you hit the mark, then it's not needed. Carry on like a carry on. On my side, bitch, I let tag along. Call me daddy. Welcome to episode 55 of The Awakened Soul. Ladies and gentlemen, it is King Hayes back. I've had a hellacious week. Weekend, all of that good stuff. I'm sorry for bringing the podcast to you late this week, but I did move over the course of this weekend, so that kind of set back the recording schedule. We're going to get back on track next week, but look, I didn't skip an episode. I'm not going to skip an episode. So in episode 55, we got Fame Black in the building, as well as a discussion about the Terry Crews incident, some dope music conversations, and also a couple of big announcements for what's coming in this podcast and i just i can't wait i can't wait to talk about it but you know what we have to do before we get into all of that we have to go into the mind of haze we're going to get back into that music which is king push by Pusha t one of my favorite tracks of his we're going to get back into that i'll see you guys on the other side for the mind of haze i rap nigga about trap niggas on sing hooks <laughs> All right, so like I said, we've had a pretty slow week. Nothing's been going on. Um, no, I'm just playing. It's been quite a bit going on. But before we get into any of that, I have to get to the important stuff. And that is my brothers at Oversaturated. Both Johnny and Ralph have officially joined the UML family. They've already been my brothers, already been my business partners. Like I said on Twitter, this is just another added layer to our ventures. The the Breaks Radio is just is about to take over everything. Um, so I wanna I wanna give a shout out to them to just start off the podcast, not just because they're my brothers, but because I know and I've seen the work they've put in in little over a year with Oversaturated, growing it to what it is now. Um, they've literally grinded for every single download, listen, play, whatever you want to call it. Ralph's marketing. I've I've taken some of Ralph's marketing strategies. Um. And I'm not even and that's not even to say that like Ralph has like this big like promotional plan or anything. He's just him and and it and it's natural. But it's seeing him has shown me to be able to flex my personality a little bit more when I'm marketing and promoting my podcast. And Johnny, growing as an editor, um, smart, hella intelligent, talented dude, man. When I was at his house not too long ago, I told him uh how how much talent in his is in his household with him and his wife um so yeah i i, I respect those guys even more so than being my brothers even more so than being my co-host with the breaks radio put all that to the side those those guys are family like now to me they're they're my brothers this podcast thing can go away tomorrow and i'm still going to be there for anything to that they do in life and support talk shit like all of that good stuff um so shout out to oversaturated the podcast this is just the beginning. They're only a year in. The Awakened Souls 11 months in. The Breaks Radio is only three three or four months in. So all of this is still fairly new. And already what we've accomplished as a team and individually with our own separate podcast, the Breaks Media, the Breaks Radio, you guys just don't understand what's coming next. To speaking of that, 
hopefully you hear a, a bit of a improvement with the sound quality. Not to say that my podcast ever sounded bad. I've always gotten a lot of props for the sound quality of my podcast. But I want to announce is what it is studios, which I've talked about before, has always been the name of my in-house podcast producing and what I do here. But now we're actually a studio and this the studio space that I got um, building out the equipment. We're still soundproofing. So there's there's still going to be a bit of an uptick probably by the end of this month, beginning of August, around the one year anniversary. You will hear a big difference in, in the sound quality. And, you know, it's just going to add that to that professionalism that we've come to expect from the Awakened Soul. We get into the next thing that I have to talk about, and that is I was on the radio. This this past Sunday, and that's another reason why this podcast is let you know Wake and Soul usually releases Sunday night. But I was on the radio on the Create Your Life series hosted by Kevin Y. Brown, who's a motivational speaker. And I can't say enough what being on live radio, it was in New York. Um, just what that experience made me realize um with this podcast and what I want to do. So I want to announce, I don't know when it's gonna happen, but it's going to happen. The Awakened Soul, CEO Hayes, myself. Like King Hayes, whatever I decide to call myself, I'm King Hayes today, which we'll get into a little bit differently because that's a whole different aggressive side of me. But we're going to grow. And it just gave me a vision, a vision and a, and a line of sight of where I want this podcast to go. I'm I'm very respectful. I'm very gracious of where it has been so far. I, I love every one of my listeners that I've interacted with, whether it be email, talking, soon to be in person at the live show. I love each and every one of you guys. You guys have pushed me to get to this point. After I was on the radio, the host talked to me and told me he felt it was his best show yet on live radio and thanked me for it and for my part on it. Um, I don't want to at all sound like I made this guy's been on the radio long before me. He was a podcaster before that. So he knows what he's doing. But just to have my peers, someone who's going through that same process that I'm going through, acknowledge a want wanted me to come on his live radio show be afterwards acknowledging what I what talent I have. So this is, like I said, it's just really reinvigorated. Not that I was ever faltering, but it just made me, you know, the sky's the limit. And I think that I was aiming a little too low with the podcast, um, only because you, you want to scale growth. And I think that, to be honest, if I'm just being completely open and honest, I was, I have been a little bit afraid about how quick the Awakened Soul has been growing. If I'm just going to be honest, like I, not that I doubt my skill or my ability, but it's just, it's a lot. And I didn't expect that when I got into this podcast thing. Again, when I started The Awakened Soul, I wasn't even going to put it on iTunes or available for public. That was going to be something I sent my friends for us to talk about and discuss. And like, it just has ballooned into so much more from that. Um, so it is what it is, studios, the breaks media, The Awakened Soul. I know that sounds like a lot, but it's all building into the brand and building into what what this is going to be. And I can't wait to share with you guys. I've been calling it phase two of the awakened. So we've got some new segment planned segments planned. We have a new way to interact. I have a new way to interact with you guys. Um, you have heard the unpopular opinion from Shawnee's. That was the first step. So think about it right now. The awakened soul is kind of in the awakened soul phase 1.5, but coming by the beginning of August, when we're in full blown phase two of the awakened soul, I just, I'm so excited to bring this new show to you guys, to bring the new style and everything going on there. But we have to take a break. You know, enough of my accomplishments, enough of what my brothers and I have been going through in this podcast world. You know, when we talk, when we get into the minor haze, it's where I talk about things going on in the world. So the first thing that I definitely want to talk about, something powerful, and that is Terry Crews 
mentioning how he was sexually assaulted. But I want you to hear the words from his mouth. I know a lot of you guys have probably already heard it, but I want you to hear his words. I'm going to come in on the other side of that with my thoughts. In 2016, while at a party with my wife, I was sexually assaulted by a successful Hollywood agent. The assault lasted only minutes, but what he was effectively telling me while he held my genitals in his hand was that he held the power, that he was in control. This is how toxic masculinity permeates culture. As I shared my story, I was told over and over that this was not abuse, that this was just a joke, that this was just horseplay. But I can say that one man's horseplay is another man's humiliation. And I chose to tell my story and share my experience to stand in solidarity with millions of other survivors in the world, that I know how hard it is to come forward. I know the shame associated with assault. It happened to me. All right. And what you heard there was Terry Crews speaking um, at a hearing for the Sexual Assault Survivors Bill of Rights in front of the Senate. And just before we get into anything else and breaking it down, I, it, I can't say enough how important it is for a male, a black male being willing to share that story, especially after the ridicule and everything else that he's gone through over the situation, over people telling him not to talk about it or suggesting that it wasn't a big deal. And, you know, in the Me Too movement, we were always waiting uh, for the other side of the coin to hear about men being assaulted, um, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's even more common. And we heard about it with Kevin Spacey um, and then with him um, uh, being accused of assaulting a, a, a younger man. But in this case of Terry Crews, it went even deeper than that um, because he went on to speak about the toxic male masculinity. Um, and that that is is a subject for a whole nother day, um, because you hear those conversations coming up more and more on toxic black male uh, masculinity, as well as just toxic masculinity in general. And that's definitely a, a topic that I want to talk about. That's more of a panel discussion because I really would want to get deep into that topic. But, you know. Him speaking out on on this stage and putting a celebrity face behind this this bill of rights that they're trying to get passed is, you know, it, it's important. And I, I again, hats off to that man. Uh, what did you guys think about it? What do you think about the story? Are you expecting more stories to come out? And did this kind of and he, he's talked about this before. So this isn't the very first time that he's talked about this, but it's getting a lot of publicity because of the stage that it was on and everything. And. It's good to get this conversation started and you never know him sharing the story on the stage. Hopefully we'll have more people come out about it and that way we can get these creeps prosecuted. And I really wanted to start off with this because this was a subject that really, really spoke to me. Um, not because I went through anything like this, but I've said before many times on this podcast, sexual assault of any case is always going to be something that gets me um, affected, that gets an emotional reaction out of me. As someone who's not usually that emotional, um, yeah, I, I just hate hearing about sexual assault. But I really want to know, um, this was this as powerful to someone to someone else? If, if, if it was, if this affected you, what did you guys think about it in general? Um, let me know. You guys know where to find me at CEO Hayes. You can also send me emails, theawakensoulpod at gmail.com. We're going to get into the next subject, which is Permit Patty, a.k.a. Allison Edel, um, who called the police um, on an 18 year old black girl who was selling water. 
her marijuana business has lost six, six other businesses that carried her products. One Magnolia uh, cut a product that they were selling of hers that were actually their their highest selling product. Um, So after the CEO of that company, Magnolia, saw the video of her calling the police, immediately, immediately cut ties with her company. And this just goes to show, you know, you can't just be an idiot in public. And you one would think that she would be the stupid idiot of the week. But no, we have we have way, way bigger fish to fry in the stupid idiot of the week. But, yeah, it's 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 this. This was something I didn't get to talk about it when it happened. But just the fact that, you know, she said, oh, she meant it as a joke. She didn't really mean for the police to come. No, you knew what the fuck you were doing. If you call the police, more than likely they're going to come. And of course, now because of the blowback from it, she's trying to save face as best that she can. And now it's affecting her in her pockets. So, yeah, you, you, you get what you're coming. It's good that she's getting her comeuppance from this. It's good that she's you know, just fucking idiots. Like really people who are just stupid, who just do stupid ass things and stupid shit deserve for things like this to happen to them. So Allison Edel, you're not the stupid idiot of the week because guess what? You don't even deserve. You're just scum. And I'm glad for everything that happens for me. I don't really wish bad on anyone. I I usually, I rarely ever sit here on this podcast and wish bad for anything on or, or, or on anyone regardless of what they do. I sit here and I talk about my feelings on it. I talk about the facts and I try to leave it at that. Really don't ever welcome bad. But in this case, yeah, permit Patty, you definitely deserve it. All right. So that's enough for the end of mine. Hayes. We still got a couple more topics to discuss, but before we get into that, we have to get into the unpopular opinion from okay so here's the thing brought to you by the lovely shanice we're going to get into her intro music going to hear her wonderful voice on the other side of that and then i'll come back to talk to you guys about you know we got some nba free agency and some tv to discuss so we'll, we'll be discussing that on the other side of shanice's segment hey y'all so this week i'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent because i want to touch on a lot of things and unfortunately mr ceo hayes only gives me about five minutes so we're just gonna start with this in the last week there's been a lot going on on social media as we can all agree um from talks of the bet awards to you know everything going on on you know in the news with you know the kids and the gun violence and police violence and all these things and a lot of it, honestly, is just uh, it's just super, super underwhelming and it's very depressing. But let's start with um, the BET Awards. So naturally, you know, award shows happen. They come on TV. Everybody as a family will watch it via Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And this, you know, year, I didn't watch it because, number one, I don't have cable. And number two, because I just... I just forgot. I just didn't, I just didn't remember to watch it. So I would look on social media to see what's happening. It's a lot of backlash. People didn't like the Blaconda theme. They didn't like the fact that Jamie Foxx was kind of playing on that. They didn't like pretty much the show. They said, I'm not watching. You know, you've heard these things. I'm not watching the BET Awards. BET Awards is trash. All these things. And it made me think, what is it so bad about the BET Awards? So I decided to go on YouTube and catch some glimpses, catch some some um some screenshots of what was happening. And I didn't watch the whole thing because I don't really care people's acceptance speeches. So I skimmed through those parts. And honestly, I can't tell you why I would assume people were upset. Now, to touch on a lot of things at one time, 
I personally feel that Black people just really don't want to accept the platforms that they have, and they would rather want other other um, cultures to accept us and put us on. It takes me back to when Incredibles 2 was coming out and everybody was like, why don't we get to see Frozone's wife? She, she did one of the most memorable lines of the whole movie. And I get that, but it's like, the movie's not even about Frozone, let alone his fucking wife. It's about the Incredibles. We don't need Frozone's wife. And everybody calls this big old uproar. And then it's like, okay, you're mad about representation there. And you're mad about representation other places. But you have a whole network that is dedicated to our representation. Whether you feel like it's the correct representation or not. Which, I mean, if you feel that way, I'm pretty sure you're not watching Love and Hip Hop and Housewives. But... That's just my opinion. But you have a platform to do that. If you have an issue with the programming on BET, then why don't the people who have who are the powers that be put their energy towards making the programs better, just like it was in the 90s and two, in the early 2000s? It wasn't always that way. Put people in place to do that. Don't just toss the whole thing away. You know, that whole cancel culture. Don't just toss the whole thing away. We have that platform. And then we don't want to put importance on it, but then we want to make sure SZA wins best new artist at the grammys she won best new artist at the BET awards but no one said boo but anyway moving into the whole justice four so i'm pretty sure everyone has been paying attention to the news about justice for junior and justice for lose and justice for all these kids who unfortunately have lost their lives due to a bunch of fucking nonsense going on in this world And I'm not going to touch on each story. I will say that every single one of these stories is absolutely disheartening. And I just, I just can't, honestly, I'm ready to move to Switzerland. I've been ready, but I'm just waiting on the go. But anyway, it just makes me so upset. And then I was listening to Joe Budden's podcast this last week, and he said something super important about what, you know, growing up in the inner city, I'm not sure you know, where you're from as a listener, but as somebody who grew up, born and raised in New York City, we have this understanding of what the block is. Now, the block is a place, you know, it's it's like a culture, sort of. The block culture is, you know, you go to the bodega all the time, everyone's family, you know, everybody, your neighbors, you know, y'all may not talk all the time and hang out, but you know, y'all a family type thing. If I walk down the street by myself and I don't know these niggas, but I know they in that block, you know, I know they in that neighborhood, they gonna watch out for me, whether we're friends or not. And I feel like, the world needs the block culture to just cover it and just like refurbish it because I've never felt more comfortable growing up where how I grew up in the inner city, like in my life. And that comfortability has, you know, throughout the years become less and less because we've lost that the block culture. Everyone is so selfish. Everyone is looking out for themselves. Everyone is so scared. And that's understandable. Everybody's just deciding, ah, fuck it. I can kill people. You know, I can, I can stab somebody up. I could, you know, take someone's life and not feel no way about it. And I'm not sure where that came from. Not to say people weren't killing in the nineties. There was definitely people getting shot up, but I feel like now the understanding is fuck it. I mean, rather them than me and no one looks out for each other anymore. And I just would really like to see that come back. Um, again, I'm not sure what it was like with you guys growing up where you're from. I'm sure everyone's from different places, but that the block culture just, you know, It's really important, and I really feel like we need to bring that back. But again, I told you guys I was going on a tangent, so I'm hoping you're not... 
thinking like, what the fuck is this bitch doing? She's all over the place. But anyway, that was my unpopular opinion this week. I appreciate all of the feedback you guys have been giving me and CEO Hayes. I really appreciate everything you guys are saying. All positive, all negative. I love it all. Thank you. Let's first off, let's start by addressing the slander that was thrown my way and my I only give certain amount of my precious time on no that's not true and I'm going on record right now Shanice can have almost as much as time as she needs to discuss her subject I'm not over here hoarding all the time contrary to popular belief that it whatever so we have to talk about this Dame Dash and Lee Daniels situation. So at a Diana Ross concert, Dame Dash thought that it would be the perfect opportunity to run up on Lee Daniels for the $2 million that Lee Daniels owed him. Now, apparently Dame Dash loaned him this money to film The Woodsman and Shadow Boxer. Uh, apparently this was an investment Dame Dash, uh, was after Lee Daniels could not get or secure any loans from Hollywood to make these two films. Now, uh, apparently this has been going on for years. Uh, Dame Dash had also loaned Lee Daniels money before, uh, that was repaid. So why not loan him money again? And so after Dame Dash loaned him this money, he waited a couple years. And like I said, thought that the Diana Ross concert was the perfect time to go after his coins. Now, I want to know, how would you guys feel if someone owed you $2 million? Would you run up on them at that time and place? I know I would. Uh, me and Jaden Hollywood actually talked about this on his podcast, Unapologetic. Um, so check it out there for a little more in-depth conversation on it. But, you know, I just wanted to know how the listeners of The Awakened Soul felt about this. Do you think that Dame Dash was wrong for running up on Lee Daniels? Should he have handled it in more of a professional manner? Um, but I don't know. Personally, millions of dollars being... Uh, in question there being at stake i can't promise you that i would have handled it any different myself matter of fact he may have handled it probably better than i did but you know lee daniels someone who is a filmmaker um apparently he's paid damn dash back before so hopefully you know they can get all this settled out uh to his credit lee daniels has come out and not really said anything negative about dame dash before he's kind of admitted where he is and he's even said that dame was crazy enough to loan him money when no one else would so hopefully these two black men can get this solved and fixed but we'll see but next power finally returned um last night and broke some records had great numbers for its debut. Um, I'm not going to get into spoilers. You know me. I wait to talk about TV shows until after end where we can talk about everything openly. But what I will say is that I'm very happy for the shows getting back. I'm very happy for the cast. Looks set to do some big things this season. But uh, are you guys excited for power? Let me know. Do you want to hear me discuss power weekly or would you rather me wait to the end of the podcast? I mean, to the end of the season. Um, just, just some thoughts there on that, but I want to get into Luke Cage season two. Now I'm not going to do a whole review on Luke Cage season two quite yet. Me and Andrew Bello, maybe even Coop may break that down. But what I will say about the second season of Luke Cage is that God, God, it started off so rough and, you know, we had conversations of me and Dan on drugs and I believe AJ from what we're going to do talked about it. And yeah, it, it was a very rough start to the season but i would like to say that it did finish pretty strongly um i, I was I, I i enjoyed it overall it just by god that was a super rough start to that that show like it just it sucks man it sucks that it got that hard but anyway we are 
going to get into the stupidity of the week. And then after the stupidity of the week, we have to talk a little bit about NBA free agency. Let's get into our stupid idiot music and I will see you guys on the other side. dumb you are really dumb for real all right so one it once become one of my favorite segments to do because i just like highlighting and talking about people who just do stupid stupid shit and this time we're going to my local state not my city thank god uh orangeville orange village ohio in which a manager at a bahama breeze called the police on uh, several black sorority members uh, over over a bill dispute and reported that they were being loud and causing a disturbance over the bill. Um, the police were called out uh, to make sure that everything went cool, to make sure every everything everyone paid. Ashante Spencer, one of the sorority members who were there at the time, said that that it was totally not true that she felt that it was racial profiling. And to the credit, Bahama breeze uh fired this manager and they and the situation was talked about on twitter and bahama breeze from their twitter their business twitter responded the manager involved no longer works for us because they mistreated guests which is inconsistent with our values so while the company bahama breeze did do their part in in rectifying this situation the manager who was not named their name was protected you definitely get the stupid idiot of the week for just being an idiot and this whole racial profile thing is just so silly and stupid and the fact that we live in a world in which this still happens you would think after the starbucks incident people would be more aware of this but for falsely falsely calling the police in a situation just because you weren't happy that people had a dispute over their bill yeah yeah you definitely get the stupid idiot of the week but we have to move over we got bigger fish to fry. We have to move over to the next stupidity of the week. And Lakeith Stanfield of uh, Atlanta fame. He is on the TV ser- series Atlanta with uh, Donald Glover, as well as he has a film that I believe just came out. Sorry to bother you if it hasn't come out already. Very talented actor, very talented guy. Had a freestyle in which he gave a bunch of homophobic slurs. And, you know, of course, there was outrage over this. Uh, on online he later came out and apologized but just for just being so insensitive in in a time in this climate and coming out on social media with something you know a freestyle that many people would have spit maybe in the early 2000s and it would have been cool but he just usually seems like such a more in tune guy with things like this and he does seem like a very intelligent guy so don't want to pigeonhole him into this but definitely for this moment sir you still get the stupid idiot all right so that's it for our stupid idiots i didn't call you idiots I called you stupid idiots. We're going to talk a little bit about NBA free agency so far right after this. So free agency started off with a bang this year. On the first night of free agency, July 1st, Paul George announced that he re-upped, re-signed with the Oklahoma City Thunder on a four-year deal. Uh, very closely after that, J- Jeremy Grant announced that he also re-signed with the Thunder. So this, on top of Carmelo Anthony already, you know, staying in his contract with OKC, they're basically running back the exact same team they did last year. Um, that's that's a bit of an issue. Now, Carmelo's 
contract is expiring, so they could buy him out. They could trade him uh, to try to improve that team. But Paul George staying in OKC is a big deal. I mean, when he first requested that trade from the Pacers, he was dead set on going to the Lakers. So just in, in, in bringing him in in to OKC, them taking that gamble to trade for him, even though it was clear that he wanted to go elsewhere, paid off. I don't know what Russell Westbrook did. But he got the job done. OKC pulled out the red, red carpet for Paul George. Um, it was also announced today that Nerlens Noel signed with Oklahoma City as well. So that's hopefully going to give them a lot of defense. He's going to be able to hopefully make up and uh, block shots, get rebounds. Don't have too much faith in him as a scorer. Now, he didn't get to play with the Dallas that much this past season. There was just some craziness going on there. But just the fact that. OKC is going for it. And, you know, they would definitely probably be number three in the West. They probably are anyway. If uh, we'll, we'll save that. I, I, we got to talk about the Rockets first. So Chris Paul also resigned with the Rockets. He'll be staying there. They're running that team back for the most part right now. Clint Capella has not signed a deal as of this recording, but they did lose Trevor Reason. Now, that's going to be a big hole on their on their wing. Um the fact that they lost on what he was able to do defensively hitting open threes. So, you know, OKC, the Rockets, for the most part right now, running the same teams back. We saw what the Rockets were able to do against the Warriors, pushing it to game seven. If Chris Paul hadn't gotten hurt, what would that mean? We don't know. But we have to talk about the biggest signing of free agency so far, and that is LeBron James signing with the Los Angeles Lakers. Wow. And the writing had been on the wall for about a year or so that this was was poss- was a possibility. This makes you think that Paul George deal that I talked about earlier, Paul George, who seemed dead set to, to sign with the Lakers before he got traded to OKC. Did the Lakers know that LeBron was coming and did Paul George maybe not want to play with LeBron? They were rivals in the Eastern Conference for a very long time on the Pacers when he was on the Heat and when he was on the Cavs. So did that play into it? That's just some speculation on my side. There's been nothing to come out uh, about that. That's just me, you know, stirring the pot. But so out of that, we get um, very shortly after LeBron James signed with the Lakers. We also got Lance Stevenson signing with the Lakers. We got uh, Rajon Rondo signing with the Lakers. What what does this mean? What what? So, I mean, the fact of LeBron going to the Lakers in general is just it's it's more than just basketball. You know, he has an entertainment company. He's going into that realm. I believe his wife is as well. So him being in L.A. is a huge move in of itself um, on the business side. We already know what he did. You know, he signing with Cleveland, that city gets an extra I think what was it? Sixty mil, six million dollars. I can't remember. By just him signing, just the tourism and people coming to watch him play. Like we see what LeBron can do business wise for a city. Now he may not have that a big of effect. I'm going to say he's not going to have that big of effect as far as changing what the city could bring in in a city like L.A. But for what he can do for his business portfolio is amazing. And it also came out that by the end of this contract, LeBron James would have made over $1 billion with his NBA contract and endorsement deals. Expect for those endorsements, by the way, to probably go up some more with him being in LA. So LeBron is the businessman of all businessmen. We've may have never seen a businessman on his level in the NBA while they were playing, you know, we talk about Jordan, what he did in shoes and everything, but LeBron is doing it in so many different ways. Like I said, I'm talking about off the court. 
I still don't believe LeBron is the player MJ was on the court, but that's an argument for another day. Point Dexter, I'm calling you out. We got to have that conversation one day. But nonetheless, LeBron is a Laker. Kobe's commenting on it. He actually had an interview on the jump where he uh, says that he expects greatness from LeBron, that he's happy to have him in. He's happy to hopefully see the Lakers win. So we'll see what comes of this. You know, Kuzma, uh, Lonzo Ball, if they end up keeping Lonzo, that Ron- that Rondo signing, while I don't think it means that they that they move Lonzo, there's a lot of speculation they may be open to it now. Um, does this make the Lakers a, a destination for Kawhi Leonard? It's possible. They still do have the room to sign, or they can make room to sign another max free agent. Um, I believe, personally, I don't think they're going to get Kawhi. I think they're going to take a shot and give someone a a very high one-year deal so that way they can maintain that cap space for next season. That may be a little too basketball nerdy for everyone out there, so we're going to back up off this. As far as LeBron is a free agent, I'm sorry, LeBron is officially a Laker now. How do you guys feel about that? It's it's potentially huge, and I don't see him winning a title. Um, As of right now with the roster they have right now, uh, I don't even see them making out the first round of the playoffs. Call me crazy. Uh, but as we've seen with LeBron, everywhere he goes, the team starts making deals. Already talked about a couple of the signings they've made already. But let's talk about a former Laker. And that is Julius Randle, um, who I believe is only in his fourth year in the league, signed with the Pelicans. Now, I don't think that that's a huge deal that's going to swing the league or the team any which way. He's a, He can be a really good role player. He still has potential to be more than that. But more than likely, this may mean that DeMarcus Cousins is not coming back to the New Orleans Pelicans. They still have Miritich under contract, Anthony Davis, Julius Randle. It just it would seem like they wouldn't be bringing Cousins back when they have a big man core like that. But I could be wrong. We'll see. Um, we'll, we'll be talking about that as it goes, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, rupturing his Achilles tendon. He may not sign until close to the end of free agency. He may be one of those last ditch attempts where these teams strike out on everyone else. And some teams just sitting there with caps, with cap money, cap space. And they decide to throw it at, uh, DeMarcus Cousins. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. You know, I love DeMarcus Cousins. I hope that he can get a deal. Uh, I hope that he comes back. I hope he makes a comeback from this uh, Achilles injury, which, you know, over the course of, of NBA, not that many players have returned back to themselves after an Achilles injury. It just it just typically doesn't happen. Um, but but we'll see. Maybe he can maybe he can be the one that can do it. I mean, for a while there, people weren't coming back from ACL tears. And now we've seen players except my except Derrick Rose. But that's that's just my pain. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, you, you never know what could happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's some of the bigger signings. Uh, J.J. Redick resigning with the Sixers as well. Um, you know, a veteran shooter. He's important on that team, especially with um, with. Ben Simmons on on that roster and how he's not a, a the the best shooter. Uh, Derek Favors also resigned with the Jazz, so you know it's it's a lot of the chips have already fallen. We got a couple of more big ones out there, and we'll see how that goes. You know, I, I LeBron signing this early definitely opens everything up. I mean, the biggest chip really left out there is Kawhi Leonard, um, and then if Boston or Philly decide to trade for him or even L.A., we'll see. We also got Giannis. 
Acontatupo. I know I murdered his last name. I'm sorry. Giannis. And I say, God, and I know it's Giannis. Uh, is is going to be the cover athlete of NBA 2K19. So, you know, that's just, I just wanted to go around and talk about uh, the world of basketball and see the free agency because I know everyone, anytime LeBron's a free agent, even people who aren't really basketball fans come out. And I can't wait for all the bandwagon Lakers fans. You guys know who you are, the ones who follow LeBron around, and now they're going to act like they've always been Lakers fans. I'm not here for it. Some of you guys are, so oh well. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what LeBron's able to do with the Lakers and what how the Lakers are able to build this team or if they just keep the young core around them and let these guys develop and learn from LeBron. And then that sets your, sets your franchise up after LeBron goes rather than trading to win now, which is what the Cavs did. And you see where they're left at. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a lot, a lot of chips left to fall, not really big ones, but you know, we've seen before that some of the smaller signings or the, um, the the non big ships, the non superstar players, really do affect uh, the playoff teams and everything. So we'll see how that continues. But wait, we have breaking news: Demarcus Cousins just signed with the Golden State Warriors. Now that may not be as big of a deal as what it sounds. Uh, Demarcus Cousins did rupture his Achilles, as I mentioned earlier, um, and no players ever return back all the way to themselves after that. And that's usually with much smaller players guard. So someone of DeMarcus's size, it's possible that he may never really, really be a factor again. Now, like as I said earlier, I hope he do- he can return from the injury because I love DeMarcus Cousins. But while it sounds like it just sounds like one of the worst things that could possibly happen to the NBA is DeMarcus Cousins signing with the Warriors. Let's hold off and let's see how he responds to this injury and how he really comes back. The good thing about it now is that there's not going to be very much pressure on him. He's going to be on a team that's already won the won titles already is considered the best team in the NBA so they can afford to have him slowly recover back and a year from now is when it could really be a crazy crazy deal that he signed I mean, it could be as early as this season you you don't know he may like I said earlier he may have a miraculous recovery from this one that we've like we've never seen before so it's it's very possible that they just maybe they go and win 82 games in one season it's if he if he's if he comes back if he's the player he was but right before he got injured even if he returns to 80% of that on golden state they're unstoppable best team ever in the history of basketball now it's time it's time to get into the actual discussion topic for today which is me and fame black discussing the legacy of the king of crunk himself little john i'll see you guys on the other side
ladies and gentlemen, we have returning to the cipher. It's been first of all, it's been a while since we did the cipher, but we have the original guest of the cipher, the very first one ever. Fame Black is in the building. What's going on, Fame? Hey, man, it's, it is Fame Black. It's the Nature Boy. It's the it you need to get in 2018 and all years beyond. Honestly, uh, back here at the Awakened Soul on the cipher. Um, I see that Drake poster I, I put up on the wall has got the eyes scratched out. That's sad and unfortunate, but also deserving. It feels good to be here. And man, the host of in beta, no telling what else you got going on. You're filming skits okay. and everything now. Like, Fame, what don't you do? Um, I don't stop. I don't quit. That is that's the only thing. I hey. don't stop. I don't quit. I do a little bit of everything, man. And I love it. I love the fact that I'm free enough to move from one thing to the other and and switch and, and form like like water. Be like water. I liked it. I liked it. That, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, so before we get into our, our topic that we have today, anything that you want to tell the people that you're working on that you got coming down the pipeline so the listeners of the Awakened Soul can check you out? Well, listen, the biggest thing, um, the biggest thing to take note of is the fact that the in beta podcast is on a new season. Uh it's on a new network, the Hameen Me- Hacker Hameen Media Group, uh, which has a bunch of other great shows on there, including but not limited to uh the lock, the uh, the next level NX, NXT level, next level with Andrew Bello, who you may know from this program, and uh, the Infinite Fringe, the Conspiracy Hour, hosted by Billy Ray Valentine, who I also also believe has been on this program. So a lot of family work going on. Exactly, exactly. It's it's so funny. Our our group of people is, and me. And you kind of talked about this off air before. Is that like we're a, just a talented group of bastards, aren't we? Like what oh, man, Billy Ray does. Yeah, we have this like army, this small Avengers of amazing podcasters and ability and talent. And what's cool is that it's in a bunch of different things. Like I'd say uh, M Beta and The Awakened Soul are very similar, but they are also extremely different. You know what I mean? Yeah. And The Infinite Fringe is on a whole different thing about conspiracies and, and theories and rumors and and next level being strictly about wrestling coverage. Um, but for all four, four shows to blend in so beautifully, it is an amazing thing. We are a talented group of motherfuckers. Yeah, yes, we are. Literally. That's not even uh, to mention Coop, what he's doing over there with his geek network now. Like he has oh, his absolutely. own network. Absolutely. Oh, man, I only heard the first episode. I, I didn't even get to hear anything else, but I totally forgot. That's right. Shout out to Coop. Yeah, so I mean, just, just a talented group of people. But. We are here today, and I and I tweeted this out. This all started with a tweet because you know sometimes I sit around and I just think random shit. And I tweeted out, yeah, I, know. <laughs> I tweeted out, is Crunk Juice? A cl- are we going to acknowledge Crunk Juice oh, as God. a classic? Um, but that that of course got the conversation started, and we'll we'll do some of that here. But yeah. we're here to discuss the career, the legacy of one little John. And uh, we'll just start this off by saying Little John started off as a DJ. He then, I believe, was an A&R for So So Deaf um, mm-hmm. from ni- 1993 to the year 2000. And then he linked up with the Eastside Boys and they proceeded to put out what could possibly could possibly be the best three album stretch in hip hop, especially around that time. They they defined a crunk era, which then evolved into the snap era of hip hop. But let, let's stay focused yeah, yeah, yeah. on on Crunk and, and Little John. When you, when you think of Little John, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, but, Thanks to uh, Dave Chappelle. Uh, well, you know what's funny is like 
before that sketch even dropped, and like nobody believes me now because it's so old and you know. But before that sketch dropped, me and my best friend, I swear to God, we would do that shit every day. We never thought to make it like we never thought to take it outside the box and make do anything with it. But we did that to each other. Like we didn't do the yes and the okays. We were like, yo, what's life like being little John? Time to check the mail. Yeah. Like we were doing that shit like between ourselves all the time. And then Dave Chappelle made it like, you know, 10 times bigger, a million times bigger, really. Uh, Little John, though, is a staple of like the teenage years. Like, honestly, um, I don't think I would have gotten any Wallies at all. Oh, Wally is a term for a dance on a wall if you're not hip to the lingo. Uh, I would have never gotten any Wallies if it wasn't for Little John. Like, Little John has made music with some of the the most misogynistic lyrics that no one points out is misogynistic. Everyone loves it. Everyone dances. Everyone shakes their ass. Uh, I personally love it because I'm an ass watcher. So, you know, Little John is that man. Quick question for you. Okay. Uh, I, I, I realized uh, now... Then that you did that little intro, that little rundown. I noticed you did some research. Let me ask you this. Before doing any research, did you know the names of any of the East Side Boys? Because I certainly didn't. No, I didn't. They were just the East Side Boys. <laughs> and, you know, after you find out the name, like, he... I don't he, even know what they look like. <laughs> he did say, like, he said their name in almost every song, like, before they started. And it's like, I just I just completely missed it. I didn't pay attention to he was actually naming the East Side Boys. They were just the East Side Boys to me. I They didn't even have names. They're East Side Boy 1 and East Side Boy 2. That's all I knew. I guess. <laughs> Yo, I'm going to say, like, honestly, this might be, this might be like, oh, man, this might ruin my credibility. I don't know what they look like. I didn't know how many of them there were. Literally, I just thought it was, like, a pimp named Slickback is one nigga. And I just thought it was... <laughs> Lil John and the East Side Boys is really just Lil John. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Oh, man. <laughs> I thought funny. it was just him. Yeah, and, and it's it's so funny, man. Like, the East Side Boys, like, did they ever do anything? Like, we all know Lil John and what he did on So He even rapped a couple of verses from time to time. But did, uh, did, regrettably, regrettably. Yeah. Did Big Sam and Lil Bo ever do anything other than in the videos? I don't think they did. Oh. If, if they did, I don't remember. Wow, you're right then. I just now you said their name. Now I know that he has said their name. Still, um and the Yin Yang twins have too. They've said their names in this wow. Now it's all hitting me. But uh no, I like I wouldn't know at all. If it was, I would have been like I would probably would have skipped the track because I'd have been like, I don't even know this rapper. <laughs> like if That's it's funny. if it said featuring whatever 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 their names are, I'd have been like, eh. <laughs> okay, I can feel that. Well, okay, so Little John Eastside Boys have had some of the biggest hits of, like I said, of an era. What's yeah. one song that that sticks out to you when you think of Little John and Eastside Boys? We can't, we can't have this conversation without talking about Get Low. We really can't. Um, Get Low. I mean, that shit will work today. Uh, to the windows, everybody knows. To the wall, like it. It's so iconic in its misogyny and it's like the place and time and it was so big for so many weeks. I don't I couldn't even tell you how long that song was on the radio. Like that song got it started every time. I doubt that there's like a, a bigger dance single in like rap history or hip hop history than Get Low. I, there's no way to talk about Lil Jon and his influence and his power without talking about Get Low. Second follow up, um every every fuckboy's favorite song at the time, uh Lovers and Friends. You know. I that's that's the I can't stand that song. I've never been even when I've never liked that song. Really, never. you're, cr- you're I, I have never liked that song ever. That's the I, only one. I, I like everything but Little John's verse. Shawty. Oh my God! Why did that man rap a verse? Like, 
who who thought that that was okay? Like I can I can see him in the studio now because he's a dope producer. Like mixing it, putting 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 the track together. It's like you know what we got a spot for another verse. I can call Nas again. I can call Jadakiss, Ludacris, Ti. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna do it myself. And and that that's how I imagine that went down. There was no one else in the studio. He was up late. The album was close to being due, and he just said nobody told him no. Nobody told him no. Nobody was there to told him told him no. And then when he submitted the song to the label, they only listened to like the first third of it and they're like, you know what, that's dope. That could be the single. And then when they it finally played on They probably didn't even listen <laughs> to it. They were probably like, sure, Ludacris, John, it's fine. It's good. It'll work. Yeah, it just made millions of dollars. Let's throw it up there. God. And then what happened what happened after that? Blah. That was a bad verse. But listen, I give I give Little John the same pass that I give uh DJ Khaled and the same pass that I give um Birdman. Clearly, no one, none of the hottest spitters around you had a problem with it, so I'm not gonna have a problem with it. Hey, that's a great way to look at it. Can't like, I can't I mean, argue you know that at all. Like Little Wayne let baby on so many different tracks and for what? Now and I, I bring up Little Wayne just to say Little Wayne is a far superior rapper. <laughs> far superior. Like he's a really you know, I, at a certain point in time Wayne would have been in the top five, you know? And he's and Baby would never make a top eight thousand, so it's just a re- it was a weird power difference. And he's been on so many tracks. I think they have an album together. Little Wayne and Baby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They like father like son. That's the one. Something like my daddy. Yeah. That shit. It was cool. They had they had their hits. They did their thing. Um, Little Wayne but- verses are so good, and the hook is so catchy. I don't mind listening to Birdman's. 16 bar verse. <laughs> yeah, it didn't matter what he did on, on on that track. Once you have, and then they did like they had Drake on a bunch of hooks and stuff too. Like you, you it didn't matter at that point. It like didn't at, at least at least um you know Lil John has like the dope beat and at least his verse while it was corny at least had a point and stayed on message. Like Lil Wayne be rapping about yeah you know fucking bitches whatever and baby get on yeah stunner talking about honest. Like it's just like it, oh, it's just the worst. But this isn't about baby. This is about Lil John. Oh, I just got irritated. No, you're fine, man. Uh, I would say still, and it, I think Get Low was definitely, I think, the what took Little John and Eastside Boys to like a commercial appeal. Not that they were not commercial before, but I think that's what got like the world noticing them. But B and B it was before then, and like that's oh, still oh, to this oh. day when B and B comes on. I I have to keep myself from punching something. Like it's just something in there. It's just like. I have to hit or bump into something. But yeah, B&B is the first one that comes to mind. But even before, and this is one that at the time, I didn't know who the hell Little John was. I definitely didn't know who the East Side, hell, I didn't know who the East Side Boys were until like six six hours ago. But nonetheless, um, <laughs> people forget about I Like Them Girls. And the thing is, is that that video used to play late night on BET all the time. And it was like Little John yeah. with fat girls. And I never, I didn't even realize until like years later that that and the dude who did be a beer were the same person because i just that song was just a funny song to me i, I watched the video every time it came on i remember i like them girls i remember like liking it not being able to really watch the video um you know due to censorship reasons but i remember um i remember be a beer and i remember that being tough and you're right i can't really listen to it without like trying to like start a fight or at least get aggressive with somebody um but get low here's the thing about get low like little john was so in his corner in his little you know in his genre hip-hop heads in the atlanta dance crew they all like this stuff they went super commercial and you can tell that they went super commercial overnight because nobody knew what skeet meant 
<laughs> and they let that shit play on the radio, on public radio. We were listening to it in school, and we were singing it in school. First of all, they should have never let that song play on anybody's radio ever. But not not because it's not good, but anyway, publicly, you know, it's terrible for anyone to listen to. It's it's not subtle at all. Not at all. <laughs> but then, but the fact that the, that white people didn't know what skeet meant. And basically, this man just said, all oh, come, 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 come on the radio. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, that's good times. I remember, I, I, I still remember my mom would like sing that song when it came on the radio. And I'm just like, you have no idea what it is you're saying. None. I was like 14 at the time. I, I thought it was the funniest thing. Funniest it was thing. It so ever. hilarious. It was hilarious, bro. <laughs> but um, so, and the thing is, is that people forget um, Little John's first album well little john and esau's boys first album actually came out in 1997 it was get crunk who you with didn't do anything they came out with the second one we still crunk didn't do anything it wasn't until put your hood up that they actually started getting some notice and some appeal and it wasn't until uh well no i think i think put your hood up did eventually go platinum but um they didn't have a first platinum single until get low and that was on kings of crunk uh so what what's your favorite as far as a full body of work, just album. Which one's your favorite Lil John Eastside Boy album? Um, you know something? I'm. It's difficult because like the stuff that I really like Lil John in it really honestly comes from the Yin Yang Twins or um, like the Trailville stuff, the Young Blood stuff. So when I look at his body of work, his best body of work is Crunk Juice. But to bring it back to what you opened with and how you started to think, I just don't find it to be in the classic era, and I really feel like it's it's regional we were talking about that because it didn't you know we're there was a big especially in philadelphia there's a big like or at least there was a big fuck the south kind of thing like that's not we had the state property thing going on with all these real heavy spitters quote unquote and it just wasn't the big thing to be playing all that dance music all that snap shit here so i never really got to like feel it you say that like all the tracks were playing all the time yes crunk juice seriously it's I think Crunk Juice was like a 12 or 13 track album. Out of that, a good 8 to 10 played. Like, like I said, at that time, every school dance, like it, it, I know, I know that whole album from start to finish. And I wasn't buying CDs then. I was still downloading stuff on LimeWire. Um, so yeah. Oh man, computer age. <laughs> so yeah, man, it, it and it, it's funny because, you know, and we, we mentioned this on Twitter. I think regional people, a lot of people don't talk about that when it comes to these music discussions because, it is a thing. Like, for example, in St. Louis, we get a lot of the Southern music first when I lived there. So, like, uh, for example, Wipe Me Down, Lil Boosie. I knew that song a year and a half before it, it came out. So, like, when when it when it became mainstream and you'd hear, like, it blew up with the remix and everything, I'm like, wow, you guys are just now really catching on to that. So, you know, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it makes it makes you think, like, and now I don't, and especially now, I don't think... Uh, the regional portion of, of music in general was a thing now because of the downloads and streams and the internet and everything. But back in that era, when we were in middle school and high school, it was still definitely a thing. Well, you got to remember, um, like, this is how they got on. Like, uh, Trillville, Youngbloods, all that stuff. Like, a, a crunk artist's first job, like, a, 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 a lyrical a lyrical rapper's first job is usually to write for someone else. Um, in this case, a crunk artist's first job is to get the plays at the strip club. So when the strippers know your stuff, you know, it gets around faster. It gets that's that's where, you know, even um ah man, I'm skipping on the name. Pimp C, Pimp C and Bumby. What are they called? Oh my god. UGK. I'm so embarrassed. Come on. There we now, go. Fam. Oh my 
<laughs> no, it's not like I didn't know. You know, I was skipping on it. I knew the people anyway. You know, the same thing with them. Their music was spinning in strip clubs and stuff like that. So there's a lot of strip club music before, you know, it gets big in the clubs. It gets big in the towns before it actually makes the airwaves. Absolutely. And there's a lot of that, a lot more of that in the South. So that's probably where that comes from. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that, sure. That, that, that time is over now because any Tom, Dick, and Harry can throw their music on iTunes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And Spotify and whatever else and then just people get it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Little John, like we, <laughs> we got to talk about Little John as a producer um, because that, you know, and contrary to like him versus like DJ Khaled is kind of like, I guess, would be the closest thing to comparable to Little John now, but he doesn't produce at the level that Little John did and I just want to go through some of the people that Little John's produced for in his career. So he's produced for Emery, Britney Spears, Bun B, Sierra, The Brat, David Banner, E40, Fat Joe, Ice Cube, Corrupt, Little Scrappy, Mario, Mob Deep, Nappy Roots, Nivea, PD Pablo, TI, The Dog Pound, Usher, Trillville, Young Buck. Like what? what? You, you don't see like a produce like. He produced a track for Britney Spears. There aren't that many hip hop producers that have been able to weave in and out. And then when you really consider and look back at like how, even though you wouldn't say that Britney Spears or even uh, like some of the other people you work with, like Nivea made a crunk song. But at that time that the crunk style of beat making, like Little John was the go to person for that. And it, it shows in just that list that I just read. What do you think about that? A hundred percent, man. Little John was that man. If you wanted, even not even if you wanted, I mean, he obviously was good at making other beats, but if you wanted that, if you wanted people to dance to your shit or at least get a spin on it at the club, you got to have John on it. Everybody loved the sound bites because John stepped on your shit and go, what? Your shit is now worth a million dollars. Like it was definitely the, the, the Midas touch for a little bit of time. Like I said, though, it's, it's not something that we like to revisit because when you look back, I mean, Little John is, is, is always going to be an excellent producer. But when you look at the verses, when you look at the things being said, it's like, oh, man, we sh- you know, can't be saying that. So, yeah, it is yeah. what it is. And like, that's, that, that's the biggest deal about it. Is That's why it's like, oh, that's why Little John doesn't get brought up in these conversations today as yeah. much as he should. Yeah. You, you, when we talk you, about the best producers in the game. Little Jane doesn't get really Little John doesn't really make the conversation. And he absolutely should. Yeah. And so, I mean, when you look at it, like, really, so put your hood up. Came out in 2001, and Crunk Juice came out in 2004. He he came out with a solo album, Crunk Rock, in 2010, but that didn't do shit. But um, so he really is that the one with uh shots on it? Yeah, shot. I do shot, like that. Shot, shot, shot. I do. I like the song, but yeah, it just it that didn't is- get the mainstream appeal. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely like the song. But so that turned out for what? When you when you think about that concentration of of like his reign, like it really was only from 2002 until if we want to push it to like the last time he produced a, a, something for somebody else, it was really 2002 to 2008 where he was like really, really big. So six years in that six year stretch, I would, I would just get, I'm not, I haven't done the exact research to compare to other producers, but he had to be one of the biggest producers of that time. And like you said, people don't mention him no more. People don't think of him as one of the greatest producers of all time. Maybe it's because he, he, he burnt out fast, so to say, but he, when he, when he was a on fire, run is more than respectable. Exactly. And his, his light shines so bright in that time period. I definitely think at least for, for that era in our, us growing up, us coming of age, he he has to be at probably the top five, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. Little John, like, you know, people like to shit on the Southern music and all that stuff, but you can't deny that it has is its power, it has effect. 
yeah, obviously it's not the most lyrical shit in the world. It's not the most point proving or political, which is where America wants to be now that's why i'm saying we look back on it and we're like oh shouldn't be saying that but there was a point in time and we all have a part within us men and women black or white that wants to say hey shawty bend over touch your toes shake that ass and that little john was speaking for us and <laughs> i salute him for this i still maintain that if if anyone who's like 16 and under if you just walk into a room with your mom and just start screaming from the window if your mom finished it she was a freak um, but I, nonetheless, I, I, I like to make this joke. I like to make this joke that, like, you know, if you were to take your grandmother and, you know, your grandmother's like, this is what I used to dance to when I was a teenage girl. It'd be like Earth Angel, Earth Angel or like, you know, Johnny Be Good or something like this. And when we get to that age and our grandchildren are like, and we're like, this is what I used to dance to when I was a teenager. Face the wall, shot it. Put your hands on it. Bust that ass up and down. Make a nigga want it. That is hilarious. (laughs) It's legit though. It's facts. Yeah, it definitely is, man. Um, so just just kind of bring this all home. We're gonna end with we're gonna end this conversation on Little John with just this this one thing, and then I'll um I I got a question to ask you before we go. But oh yeah, (laughs) what do you think has like we we talked about Little John, everything that he did. Where do you see some of the influence from Little John in today's music, if you see any? Hmm. Um, a lot of guy, a lot of people don't know this. Now, to me, as a as a music artist, like the drum kits that are used today come from Lil John. Like, if you like the shit, like I just got big into XXX Attention. Um, I, I'm late. I mean, look, he was spot, he was trending. I, I I didn't listen to him beforehand, and I'm a dude that listens to all the new stuff. But I was like, this guy's probably. I looked, I listened to Look at Me, and I was like, this dude's an angry motherfucker. But then I listened to his new stuff because he died, and I, I got really into his stuff. His drums are heavy. This dude is this dude was influential as hell. Uh, because you know his beats are where it's at, and his drum kit comes from Lil John. So there's definitely um, influence today. And as far as like the dance songs today, follow a strict pattern, a, a select pattern that Lil John kind of set up as far as repeating yourself and how many times you want to say something. Um, Lil John was very good in particular. Sometimes he said things four times, six times, two times, and he was always very good. Um, I thought you were going to ask me what was my favorite Little John beat or my favorite Little John song. And since you didn't ask me, I'm going to go ahead and answer it anyway. <laughs> it's Step Your Game Up with Trina and Snoop Dogg. It's actually a Snoop Dogg song, but that is my favorite uh, my favorite piece of Little John work. It's my favorite Little John beat, my favorite Little John verse, my favorite Little John hook. It's just it's, it's Snoop Dogg, Trina, Little John. It's, it sounds wacky, but it totally is, it works. Step Your Game Up. My favorite Little John beat. Uh, if I had to pick one, is uh, I'm a King, T.I., Little Scrappy. I love okay, yeah. that. I, that beat is, that was one of the first beats um, that I would just listen to the instrumental. I think I was I was young as hell when that song came out, too. But I would listen to the instrumental 
just on repeat sometimes. And I, I wow. love that beat to this day. It's one of my favorite beats ever. Okay. I feel that. Okay, but I the, feel that. I the question that I was going to ask you before we go, and, I, and this is, I ask every first time guest this, and I know you're not a first time guest, but we're going to update you, 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 exactly. But what's on, what's on your playlist right now, Fame? What's the top three to five tracks on your playlist right now? I'm going to give you the most accurate answer possible by looking at my phone while I answer it. <laughs> This is interesting. I like this. All right, you want the top five? Yep. Top five, top five, top five. All right, this is going to get interesting. Actually, it's not going to get interesting. Like, If you go listen, it'll be interesting. If you, if you listeners, if you listen to the tracks I'm about to say, it will be very interesting for you. Um, other than that, it'll be like a, I don't know that song, and move on. All right, so from The Devil's Carnival, <laughs> number one, from Devil's Carnival, In All My Dreams I Drown. Uh, number two, Sad by XXXTension. Number three, Survival, Scorpion, Drake. Uh, I really like that one. Uh, let's move on. Oh, I Thought About Killing You, Kanye West, number four. Oh, actually, this isn't very bad. And then La Vie Boheme from Rent. Okay. Wow. That That's a very diverse playlist there, Fame. But you don't Absolutely. even surprise me. I know you listen to a little bit of everything like me, so that doesn't right, surprise me at all. That's not, even a, that's not even half of it. I mean... Oh, I see. From six to ten, we would have got way weirder. But <laughs> it, it's it's a it's a little bit of it's a little bit of everything. But in that case, it's very tame. It's only because I'm analyzing the the I thought about killing you, and I love the sad. And there's a sad is only one verse long, but then he leaves like a whole sixteen in the middle of two. So I've been writing to that. I'm actually going to go ahead and record that. Yeah, album yeah. coming. Album coming in August. Is that right? Album, album coming in August. Cause yo, all right. Side note here. I'm taking over the show. Side, side note. So I know I'll put this on social media, but it's like what made album anticipation cool when I was younger was, um, you know, when it got the when you got the release date or the artwork or the track list and the album didn't come out yet, you had all this time to speculate about man, like what's going on and like. In my head, I don't know if this is ever true, but in my head, the artist had been recording for months and months and months, and he had picked and selected his best works in the order that worked the best and, you know, released it on that date. Um, nowadays, it just seems like rappers, rappers especially, but all artists, rappers especially, um, are just saying, yeah, man, my album's coming out on the 17th. And then, like, the week of the 17th, record that album. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, man. They're referencing shit from, like, last week on the Drake album. Jay-Z is talking about the death of Attention. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That means, it, it- like... Drake just shoot, and Drake is actually responding to shit that Pusser T says. So like, nigga, you put you told me June 29th, and then you wrote the shit, and you told me that back in like March, and then you gonna write the shit like three weeks. Oh shit, I gotta get that. It's not a paper, yo. This is not like you. We, this is not like homework. Oh shit, I gotta get that album done real quick. Kanye too. Oh god, we're not even gonna talk about what he did to Tiana Taylor working on that album to the last minute. I, that's why I say that album wasn't even done because they were still like, well, we only got six tracks. What should we do for the seventh? I don't know, but it's Friday though. The album's supposed to be out. Oh shit, they recorded it that day. It's like, how do you do this? So, uh, oh, my whole point was, I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Fine. Like that used to be what h- held me back. I used to be like, I'm gonna create a body of work and then select it, and then you know. But fuck that. Now I'm just dropping songs. So You're just dropping shit. <laughs> I'm just going to put a shit together and I'm going to drop it in two weeks. I'm going to reference tweets that I made the day before. <laughs> Yesterday. Fame, man. You're, you're <laughs> crazy, man. Crazy. 
But yeah, and I think though to to just to so I, to comment on that, I, I think back when we were younger, they had yeah. to actually press the CD, so the 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 music had to be done ahead of time. Now it's right. just a simple upload, so they're like, you know what? I got some From free time house. tomorrow. I'll record the album tomorrow. From their house, <laughs> crazy. Like I remember, like reading about, like I read Snoop Dogg's autobiography where he's like, "Yeah, man, we recorded in Hawaii because we felt like the trees and the weed was gonna get us closer to nature." It's like all this shit is just coming from their basement, all of it. I mean, in Kanye's case, is a basement in Wyoming, but nevertheless. Hey, that's music, man. Fame. Tell the people where they can find you and in beta. F A M E B L A C K on Twitter and Instagram. Catch me acting a fool. Catch me acting funny. And if you follow those two things, I'll tell you the golden goose. I'll show you the golden goose to get to the NBA podcast available on all podcast platforms. That was my best purple face impression. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and there, there, may, there may be a new show, and I'll tell you about it when you get to the NBA podcast available on all podcast platforms. Well, there you have it, Fame. Thank you for joining me, man. Thanks for taking out time last minute. You know, I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. You know I'm down to do this show whenever, man. Let me know when you're doing like a 24-hour special. I'll come and do six. <laughs> bet, bet, bet. Tell the people good night. Uh, good night, everybody. Come join me across the set. On a, you know, I'm taking the studio audience, and we're going to go over to uh, the InBeta podcast now. Bet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been episode 55 uh, the awakened soul i want to thank you guys for listening sticking through this whole episode again i'm sorry that it was late now i do want to make an announcement uh the week of the live show going down the breaks radio live show july 21st in st louis at herb arts there will not be a podcast episode that week just because of the live show me having to go out of town for it, preparing for it helping the fellas there, it's going to be the first time we, we miss a show. Um, but I do apologize. But the following week after that will be our one year anniversary. So be prepared. We'll, we'll have a, a big show plan for that. But that's it. You can follow me at CEO Hayes. That's at CEO H A I Z E. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concern, the awakened soul pod at gmail.com. And lastly, go check out our website, the awakened And there's, there's going to be some exclusive content coming there very, very shortly for myself and Shawnees, as well as next week, we have the debut of a new segment. It's it's all encompassing. It's going to be a great, great show, but I love each and every one of you guys. See you guys next week. Peace. I flip Donna and you know I'm looking tight. These jealous niggas looking at me and my car so shy. Wanna take my life and won't jack, but I see all through it. Never let these bitch niggas take what's my nigga, never do that. Who say he going through a thing when y'all ain't never lied? I got a baby, but his mama act like he ain't mine. Wicked women using children to live on. Wanna hurt and try to hate, cause she know the thrill is gone. Say, man, I stopped smoking with haters back in 94. But niggas thinking that a sweet gon' get them through my dope. And niggas talk a lot of shit in a safe place. I know cause he can't look me out of eye when he in my face. Now nigga listen to my bitch and see just what I mean. Nigga I ride dirty every day but still I shine so clean. Glitter and gleam ain't all what it look like. So I keep swinging out here clanging trying to live my life. I'm just down the air, you know I'm looking good. I'm banging strong, nigga, diamonds up against that wood. I'm just down the air, you know I'm looking good. I'm banging strong, nigga, diamonds up against that wood.
Put up against that wood. I'm, I'm cool down the air. No one 